Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. Cut It Straight is a podcast helping you pursue excellence in your preaching and ministry. episode of the Cut It Straight podcast, we interview Pastor Paul McGee from Mount Carmel, Illinois. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Cut It Straight podcast. This is your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. It's my honor today to be interviewing Pastor Paul McGee. He pastors a great church in Mount Carmel, Illinois. He is here Uh, preaching for First Apostolic Church this weekend, our New Year's Revival. And he's taking time out of his busy schedule this weekend to do this interview on the Cut It Straight podcast. And so we're going to ask him a few questions about ministry, about preaching, and just kind of see what his insights are about ministry and how it can help you as a young minister. Pastor Paul McGee, tell us about yourself, where you're from, family, where did you begin ministry, preaching, so on and so forth. Uh, pleasure to be here, first of all, Pastor Whitley. Glad to be here with you today and this opportunity to speak to your podcast audience. Um, I was born in Princeton, Indiana. Uh, that was my home and place of residence uh, until my wife and I started to evangelize, and then we moved to Illinois. Uh, I have four other siblings. I got four older sisters, and so I came from a decent-sized family. Uh, my eldest sister is 12 years older than me, so there's some distance in between us. I, my mother and father uh, were both sexually employed as a kid uh, growing up. I lived in a home that was full of love. Uh, just a little insight uh, into our lives. At night, recreation for us was dad pulling out the guitar and uh, each of us kids just finding a part of harmony and singing gospel songs and things of that nature together. But that was kind of our childhood. Um, whenever I was a real small kid, like before four years old, we lived right across the street from our church. Went to a United Pentecostal church, uh, Pastor Paul D. Poole. And uh, Pastor Poole would later uh, become a missionary to Belize in Mexico and um, did that for years. And so at that, that interim of time there, we then started going to uh, Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ Church in Owensville, Indiana, pastored by David Sizemore. So David Sizemore then, for a good portion of my younger years, uh, was my pastor until my father started pastoring later in his life, like around age, you know, 30-something, uh, he started pastoring. So uh, Pastor Sizemore, what I gleaned from him, being under him for a while, is one of the most loving, compassionate people you will ever meet. He has the patience of Job. He, he just has patience of steel. He has the ability to deal with circumstances and just keep the most docile spirit uh, from that. So that, that was our life. And then I sat in my father's pastor for years uh, after from like around age 11 on into my adulthood. And I now pastor the church. Uh, that that he he pastored. Uh, concerning my family, presently, uh, my wife, uh, who I've been married to for 21 years, she was my one and only love in my life. Uh, I have Mariah, who is 13, Trevor, who is nine, and uh, that's the American dream, boy and girl. We don't have anything else coming in the future, and uh, 
as a young boy of age 8, 1987, I received the Holy Ghost, got baptized in Jesus' name, and this is while we was at Brother Sizemore's church. My dad was, uh, in that day, there wasn't youth pastors, you were youth leaders, mm-hmm. but uh, he was a youth leader for Pastor Sizemore, and my father had preached a message killing Goliath, and I was kind of a rambunctious young boy. Uh, Pastor Whitley could probably attest to that, seeing it through my son since we've been here, but nevertheless, uh, whenever I tapped my mom, I was sitting by her, and, and I started to get up. She was like, Paul Robert, this is not the appropriate time to go to the restroom. I said, Mom, I'm not going to the restroom. I'm going to the altar, which she probably thought was a miracle. But I went to the altar, and, and God changed my life. But the real interesting part of that is this. I owe that whole scenario to a home Bible study. And that might sound bizarre because I'm fourth-generation Pentecost on my mother's side. Uh, my father would teach home Bible studies to people in our home. And we had a small, quaint home. And so the kids were usually around for the home Bible study, search for truth. And I'll never forget it. I'm a young man, eight years old. My sisters are, my Roberta and Rebecca were twins. They're five years older than me. They were there. And dad was going through the Bible study. And they, they just put their hand up, you know, with the question. And they was like, you know, Dad, what about, you know, Paul, you know, because I didn't have the Holy Ghost, didn't have any interest, it seemed like, right at that time. You know, what about him, you know, you know, heaven for him and all this stuff. And Dad was just so forthright. He said, except a man be born again of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter in and see the kingdom of God. And something pricked my heart deeper than whatever I ever had before. And where I was, usually a mama's boy in the mornings, and I'd get ready for school, and once I got ready, I'd go lay back down with mom before I left for school. That wasn't happening because my mind was constantly occupied with this concept that I need to do something about my life at eight years old. And so whenever dad had preached that sermon on that Friday night, it was it. I had told people in my school leading up this time, I'm going to get the Holy Ghost this weekend. I just had it set in my mind. That's what was going to happen. And so I went to altar prayer. God met me there revolutionized my life and then from that day forward I always had this propensity to be interested in what was being preached what was being said I went from sitting with mom to sitting on the front row with a notepad writing down you know everything that was said taking notes and just had an inclination and an interest to that however it wasn't till my father started pastoring uh, that I started to feel the call of God in my life and it was at age 12, as hard as that is to think or even believe now, that I preached my first sermon at a youth service at the church that my father pastors. I'll never forget, I entitled it Be a Wise Consumer. It's probably the most hilarious thing that I've ever laid ear on uh, to this day looking back, but that's where God started me in the ministry. However, prior to that moment, I probably still have the cassette tape somewhere, some archive in a shed. I'll remember as a boy getting a tape cassette, and some people might have to look up what that is. I'm 40 years old now. Uh, got a tape cassette and a microphone out, and I remember I would preach into that thing just in my room. I remember one time talking about Matthew 24, about the abomination of the desolation that Daniel wrote about. I had the slightest idea what the abomination of desolation <laughs> did. But, you know, it looked like good preaching yeah. to me, so... <laughs> But uh, that, that's kind of a little bit of how I got started. So, Well, I think uh, many of us could relate in some way or some form of uh, growing up around uh, church, growing up around Pentecost, and 
And when you hear that message of you must be born again, you know, we might grow up around it and, and it might become um, just familiar to us. It's when it it touches our heart and, and I can I can relate to that knowing I've, I've got to, I've got to, I have to have the Holy Ghost Absolutely. and I have to be baptized and and so I understand that that feeling I was about the same age when I got baptized I wasn't until I wasn't I think I was 13 when I got the Holy Ghost but I remember that feeling of okay I have to have this I have to have this experience and the assurance um, uh, of salvation so you started preaching at a young age um, Speaking to young ministers on the Cut It Straight podcast, we kind of we kind of aim this towards young ministers, those who may be feeling a call or in the ministry already, maybe youth pastoring, helping in Sunday school, or maybe assisting a pastor somewhere. What kind of advice would you give a young minister now that you've been in it for at least 20 plus years? The advice that I would give to a young minister is probably derived from just the concept of the word ministry itself, which basically means to serve. Serve in whatever capacity that you can. Just be willing to serve. I remember being a a high school student and I was teaching Sunday school class. Uh, You know, serve in whatever capacity. I mowed the grass. And I know these are things that we all times hear, but they are true. Just just serve in whatever capacity you can. Uh, Proverbs 11.25, there's a phrase in there that says, He that watereth shall be watered also himself. Now, I don't think that necessarily means you water with the motive of being watered yourself, but whenever you do serve and you do water, a byproduct that just boomerangs back to you is that you're going to be watered yourself. You're never going to go wrong in serving. And, you know, sometimes we have our minds and our ideas on this particular aspect or certain role of ministry, and it's good to have goals and such, but we need not overlook the steps that lead up to that moment mm-hmm. uh, in time. You know, also, you know, we, we evangelized from March 2001 to March 2007. Great time of our life. But I don't think I'd been situated for evangelism in 2001 if it wasn't for those incremental steps right. leading up to 2001. And this may be very elementary maybe to some, but I'm a practical person. And I think a young minister needs to learn how to walk humbly. Mm-hmm. Cultivate your walk with God. Because I guarantee you, it's not high, 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 mm-hmm. high. There's lows as well, and you just got to learn how to walk with God. Whenever I consider uh, the disciples, and I consider even many of them being fishermen, and you know the success and the failure, perhaps, whatever the ups and downs of them of fishermen, was not just in the casting of the net, but it was in those ordinary days of mending nets mm-hmm. and washing nets. Uh, a little saying that I kind of put down uh, at one time teaching, I believe, was ordinary moments give birth to extraordinary moments. It's good. And so we don't need to overlook the ordinary moments. And as a young man or, or whatever you're aspiring to be, at that moment of being young, particularly if you are single and you have no uh, relationships or if you're not married, so on and so forth, my advice would be submerge yourself in studying the scriptures right now as a young single man. And the reason why I say that is because, yes, marriage is going to come, children is going to come. And I think it was the Apostle Paul in Corinthians that said, 
that the unmarried seem to care for the things of the Lord. Mm-hmm. But whenever you get married, it's, he says you attend you you attend to the things of the world. Basically, just the, the nuts and bolts of that is this: that there's other aspects of your life that you got to give attention to. But whenever you're a single young man and you have this time mm-hmm. that is on your hand, invest that time in the Word now because that's going to be a payoff to you later when there's other things in your life that you have to give. Uh, your attention to. So yes, concentrate on that walk. My favorite thing concerning a walk is this. A walk is comprised of two steps that is just taken over repetitively mm-hmm. again and again mm-hmm. and again and again. Mm-hmm. Very simple, mm-hmm. but it's very necessary. One other aspect on the walk uh, concept and idea, Ephesians 1.4, I believe it is, or four one rather, invert that is that we should walk worthy of our vocation mm-hmm. that we have been called to. Um, that word there, worthy, means bringing up the opposite end of the scales. Mm-hmm. You think of the old scales that you put weights on one end to you know even out whatever was on the other side. What God has called you to is in one side of the scale. That carries a certain amount of weight a certain amount of responsibility. We must walk and lead our lives to even out the scale to match the weight of the vocation that God has called us to. So I think that we need to do that as young men. We're never too early in our ministry to start evening out the scale of the vocation that God has called us to. Um, The reason why we need to concentrate on what those things that we do even at this young stage that we might think is mundane, is because someday, I, I preached a sermon years ago when I used to evangelize, when the mundane becomes the mission. Mm-hmm. is because what we do right now, although it may seem mundane, it may seem insignificant, there's going to come a moment when all of that that has been done is going to have its moment of significance. Whenever I preached that sermon years ago, I took the story of J.L. and Sisera, you know, she goes in at that moment in time with the tent peg and she mm-hmm. drives it through the temple of Sisera and she's you know, bringing victory for a whole nation of Israel. But the culture and the background of Jael is this. It was typically the role of the woman to set up the tents of that day. So she got accustomed to driving tent pegs mm-hmm. in the ground. Mm-hmm. My thought, what in the world is, you know, I do this all the time, but in the beginning, it was not so. It, was, it wasn't easy. It was a trade she had to learn. But once it becomes second nature to her, she thought, man, I do this with my eyes closed. Let's open up another tent, you know, pitch the tent, leave, pitch the tent, leave. I'm doing this over and over. But what was mundane to her in a moment became the mission for her. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to question how to hold the peg or the hammer. She had the strength to do both. Why? Because she'd done it many times before it was needed in the moment for Israel. So don't overlook the mundane things because the mission for them to come about is going to you know, come to play in their life somewhere along the way. That's good. The uh, Going uh, off of that, uh, Pastor McGee has preached conferences and camp meetings, and I remember uh, you preaching that uh, camp in Indiana, probably 2006 or 2005. But <clears throat> you, you are always well-prepared well studied what advice and you you going back what you said earlier as a young man i remember you know i i I traveled as a single man uh and and evangelized by myself so i had a lot of time during the day to study and pray 
and then I get married, and, and then I have a little girl, and then you're pastoring. All the stuff that comes along with, with pastoring and ministry, you know, that free time, you know, quote-unquote free time right. is erased. Now, how can you, what are some steps, what are some methods to to be structured in study? Because you're always well-prepared. The sermons you preached yesterday morning, last night, you could tell it's it's got a lot of depth to it. It's been prayed over. What are some some methods of reading scripture? You talked about, and I'll kind of lead you into that. You said last night about reading a different translation of the Bible each year. Right. Some of those things that you do to help you. If you're a young man, you're by yourself, you're single, you've got a lot of time on your hand, or even if you're um, a, a preacher that's been pastoring for 50 years, what are some methods or some tools that you could give someone to help them be a better preacher, to walk worthy of their vocation? Pastor Whitley, I, I don't believe this is, and I think this would be the same with anybody, I don't believe this is something that I came out of the womb and just had <laughs> figured out, and I don't have it figured out yet, yeah. in my estimation. Uh, but one thing that I, I try to do, you know, the old saying is, you know, you put the big rocks in first. Mm -hmm. uh, preaching, salvation for people's lives come by preaching, you know, and so I consider that a pretty big rock, even in pastoral ministry, mm -hmm. preaching the word of the Lord. And so you have to set aside. You just got to be intentional. That's all there is to it. This doesn't happen haphazardly. Mm -hmm. This is, doesn't happen accidentally. You just got to be purposeful and intentional about setting aside that time. You know, if you're going to schedule meetings, if you're going to schedule this or that in your life, this is just as important to have a... a, a place on your agenda is anything else. You just got to set aside that time uh, to have to read the word, study the word, you know, meditate upon the word. Uh, but um, I try to read anything and everything I can get my hands on. And probably this generation is going to be held to a higher, a higher degree of um, uh, responsibility than what generations before us because we have more access, we have access to more things Absolutely. than what generations did before us. And I understand that can be empowering. At the same time, it can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, with my personality, it can be overwhelming because mm -hmm. I want to read it all. I want to yeah. listen to it all and so on and so forth. But it's important to put those big rocks first. Um, a, a, a part of what a young man can do, um, you know, tap in for sure. Tap into uh, your pastor because... A lot of them have so much wisdom stocked up in them that they just haven't, and I'm not, I say this respectfully, mm -hmm. that they have not necessarily found an outlet or made an outlet for it. Mm -hmm. there, there are people that I know that's never stepped behind a pulpit at a conference that could preach a mm -hmm. conference, mm -hmm. and it's just that they've never had that outlet or that place. So don't overlook the men of God that's in your life and that's in uh, your, your circle uh, for sure. But read everything. I mean, I, I read all kinds of different genres of, of books, uh, periodicals. It doesn't matter. You know, stay up with current events, you know, things of that nature. Um, you know, used to the old time to say, you know, give your mornings to God, your afternoons to the church, the evenings to your family mm -hmm. type thing. That isn't necessarily a, a bad, you know, rule of thumb. you got to find out, though, what fits be best for you. Right. If you're not a morning person, you might not want to do morning. If you're yeah. a night owl, you might want to you might want to save your time with God, and right. if you think best, then do it at night. You know, you don't have to pattern yourself exactly after someone. You need to find what works for you, and then ride that horse, buddy. Yeah. Um, 
those are just a few of the things that, just the top of my head, I know there's generalities there, but just a few of the things. Um, as a young man, you know, I spent time, since I had time, I, I literally, I remember this, right or wrong. I remember spending time, even Christmas break, spending time diving into the word of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Dad's going to have me preach. Oh my goodness. Well, let's go to the war room. You know, mm -hmm. we, we got to prepare, prepare, prepare. Uh, I don't know if a person can be over-prepared. Right. Let me say this. I never finished preparing. Yeah. I never, I just quit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just quit. I, I never finished preparing. I just, I just quit. I just find okay. This is going to be have to be the cutoff point. As a matter of fact, and we we may get in this later, but uh, you know, you have the research and the development. Sometimes I got to discipline myself to know when to stop research and yeah. go into development mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that's probably one of my struggles. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, man, be prepared. The old saying is, you know, if. If you don't know where you're going, you're going to take everybody there too, mm -hmm. meaning you're not going to get anywhere. I, I like, if I can, to take people on a journey. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I read something, I like somebody to bring me to a start point and have a goal in mind and take me the steps. And I am aware of the steps along mm -hmm. the journey of getting there. And so I think we owe it to people like that. Because not everybody we talk to is apostolic, Pentecostal, Holy Ghost field, been in this thing for right. generations. Yeah. Some of these people... You know, David and Goliath is foreign to them. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be able to take them by the hand on a journey. There's something that uh, uh, that Jacob said to his brother Esau whenever they met up again. And Esau says, come on, come on, uh, we're, we're going to go. Uh, Jacob, come on with me. He says, no, Esau, you go on by yourself. He says, uh, he says we got to lead on softly, he yeah. said even as the young children and the livestock can go. What he was saying, we got to go at a pace mm -hmm. that they will be able to keep in step with so that it won't cause injury to them. And so I think our sermons for even the unsaved need to go at a pace sometimes right. that they're not getting lost in the journey. Yeah, It may make sense to us, but if it don't make sense to other people, right. then it doesn't make enough sense yet. Yeah. The... Uh... That's that's true. That's uh, it's very good and wise advice because, you know, we talked earlier. You know, shotgun preaching. You know, you, you have all the shells going everywhere in your sermon, but they may not be hitting the target. Right. And so, you know, I I try to much like yourself as you said. You know, try to take someone on a journey. I'm trying to get somewhere. And you know, the thing about preaching is it's not an information dump. Right. I tell our guys here that. You know, you're studying, 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 you're praying, you're praying, you're praying, you get all this inspiration. Now, you you know, what do you do with it? Well, Bishop McCool says, preach, uh, preach what you know, but don't preach all that you know. You right. know, and, 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 you know, you don't have to preach everything, you know, get this, you know, it's the development stage. Right. And, and developing that story. So what are um, some pitfalls uh, that ministers or young ministers could avoid? You've been, you've done, you've traveled as an evangelist. Um, you've been a pastor's uh, kid, and now you're pastoring a great church. Um, what are some pitfalls that a minister could avoid? Some pitfalls a minister could avoid, and this probably speaks more to someone that may have been ministering for a while. Um, the cliche is familiarity breeds contempt. And so I don't believe we ever arrive. We never arrive as a minister or, or preaching. 
uh, the same disciplines that were our springboard to our ministries are those that's going to continue to carry us and bolster our ministries. Uh, we got to be careful not to get complacent. We got to be careful not to get lazy and lackadaisical uh, because we've been doing this now for X number of years. Uh, whenever I talk about familiarity breeds contempt, if you're in, in a place where you're constantly ministering to the same people over and over, perhaps you're not an evangelist, you're, you're at a place that you minister to the same people over and over, you know, uh, I've heard people say, well, you know, the people's gotten familiar with me, and so I just don't have the same impact, you know, that I once had because they've grown familiar with me. You know, there is a thread of truth to that, but the inverse of that is true as well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we can get too familiar with our congregation and our audience mm -hmm. so that we don't have the same level of respect for them mm -hmm. uh, that we used to have for them either. This is very important to me, uh, what I'm about ready to say. In David's life, there were three anointings. And whenever I say three anointings, I'm talking about three anointings that came from three people or three locations. Right. Number one, of course, he was anointed of God. David was anointed of God. We know that. Prophet Samuel, horn of oil. Bible even tells us, I think in Psalms explicitly, that he was anointed of God. But then there was number two. It says that he was anointed in one aspect by the Judah, the, the divided nations at that time, Judah, and another time he was anointed by Israel. He was anointed by the people. Mm -hmm. And then thirdly, we read in Scripture that there were times that David anointed himself. Right. And so I think it's important to always keep in mind, it takes all three of those anointings for, for a powerful ministry. Right. We That's need good. God's anointing. And yes, those people in the, the congregation, we need their anointing upon our lives. Right. But that cannot all happen, though, without you having anointing uh, that you're applying to yourself as well. It right. takes all those three dynamics. And so that being said, here's something else I think that's that's important. And this is found just for a reference in 2 Samuel 5, 12. The Bible says that David was established as the king and that the Lord exalted his kingdom for the people Israel's sake. Mm -hmm. That is heavy every time I read that. That the... the David was exalted by God, and he exalted his kingdom, not for David's sake, right. not for his ministry or kingdom's sake, mm -hmm. but for the people Israel's sake. So that's something that we got to always keep as a primary thought in mm -hmm. our mind. Whatever God is doing through me, it's not necessarily for me, right? but it's for those that I am ministering to or have underneath you know, my care or tutelage or whatever it may be. So those are just a few things. Okay. So anointing from God, man, this is, that was, that's great stuff. Anointing from God, anointing from the people, and then anointing yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when it comes to anointing yourself, what are some disciplines, uh, what are some things that you could do as a young man, as a young lady to anoint yourself? Obviously we have, we, we can't do anything without God anointing us or the people anointing us, but we do have that responsibility to keep ourselves anointed. So what are some ways we can keep ourselves refreshed, um, going back to to making sure that we're not allowing the familiarity to breed contentment. 
what are some of those ways that we can keep ourselves fresh, on fire, and wanted? Okay. And I know, and you said beyond Bible reading, things of that nature. Um, I already said about, you know, just read, read, read. I also, though, listen. Man, you're a preacher. I listen to preaching, like, all the time. I probably drive my, my wife nuts. Uh, I try to temper that sometimes, knowing I have kids and a wife. But there's sometimes if we go on long road trips, earbuds are in. And, man, the great thing about, like, iTunes and things like that, uh, you can – I have the ability – I can listen quick. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I talk fast, so I can listen to people talk fast. So I'll bump that thing to one and a half speed. I do too. And I can speed through, man, 10 sermons, you know, on a trip. Yeah. And I'm just feeding my brain, feeding my brain with God's word or or the way that somebody else approaches scripture, yeah. you know, or a concept or idea. And not just preaching. I, sometimes we overlook teaching. Oh, yeah. And that, that is a grand aspect. Matter of fact, I think if you were to do a survey of the scripture with Jesus, that there were more times that the Bible describes him as teaching than preaching. Right. People used to ask me when I evangelized, pastors would say, you always get these great, you know, questions when you evangelize. Mm-hmm. It's like, Brother McGee, what, what, what do you perceive as the greatest need for the church in our generation? And my answer at that time was, I believe the greatest need for the church in our generation is that she lacks teaching. Oh, yeah. Abundance of preaching, of of declaring God's word, but there wasn't much explaining, explaining God's word. Right, it's good, and so uh, we don't need to even as as students of the word, you know, not overlook allowing people just listen to teaching. Right. Oh well, that's boring, Brother McGee. If you think that's boring, then you might need to reconsider your preaching. Right, because from my uh, experience. Every aspect of preaching has a thread of teaching in it. Mm-hmm. You can declare and declare, but somewhere along the way, it's inevitable. You're going to have to stop and explain. Right. And so uh, th- there's a good ebb and flow in preaching, of teaching and preaching. So listen to both. Submerge yourself. Find uh, people that are notable, that are respectable, that whose lives have been proved, that you can trust, that, 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 that you can listen to. Uh, Pastor Whitley kind of alluded to it earlier, you know, this is just my thing, but I would recommend read your Bible through every year. Yeah, Read your Bible through every year. Don't just go to your favorite passages of Scripture or favorite books of the Bible. Oh, but the Psalms are so devotional. Oh, yes, that's you know great and true, but read your Bible through right. every year. And something I've tried to do, I don't know how many years I've done it now, but for the past several years, I've tried to read a different version of the Bible through every year. And my purpose in doing so is, again, the familiarity thing. Right. You know, and whenever I do this, uh, the, the great thing about it is I have a Bible that's left untouched. There's nothing underlined. There's nothing written in the margins. It's a clean slate. There's nothing there that I've written before that's directing my mind back to a rut, mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I read a different version of the Bible, I mark up that Bible every year. Yeah, I have stuff underlined, things written in the margins. I got notes scrawled all throughout that Bible. And when I get finished with it, it is on my desk as a reference now. Yeah. And so whenever I'm in a passage of Scripture that I feel like the Lord's leading me in and I'm studying, I grab all these versions that I've read right. before go there. Man, what, what was God speaking to me in that year, in that moment concerning this passage? Right. And sometimes it intersects with what I'm feeling in the moment or it can fit. And so there's... There's where God has touched me before that maybe I didn't use for anything, but now is being applicable now right. in my life. So, and and reading it, you know, because 
course, some translations are more word for word. Others are more loose with mm. a general idea. I read a variety from yeah. both ends of the spectrum. But doing that, it might enlighten my mind to something that I didn't see before. You know, the more times you read anything, I don't care how many times you've read a book. You read it again, you're going to pick up on something you didn't pick up on before. Right. You know, a little nuance that you didn't see before. And so that's one reason why I do that. I don't just read the Bible. I listen to the Bible. Yeah, me too. I get you the three apps out there. Get you a Bible app. Listen. I do that sometimes commuting. Just listen to the Bible. Oh yeah. Matter of fact, if it's a, if I'm if I feel like the Lord's dealing with me something in a certain passage of Scripture, I'll, I'll set it to that book of the Bible mm -hmm. and just let it go through everything over yeah. and over because I'm just I'm, I'm digesting that. That's getting in my spirit. Right. I listen to the Bible as I go to sleep at night. Yeah. I mean, if the disciples could go to sleep as he wanted them to pray, I figure yeah, I could yeah. go to sleep while I listen to the Bible. Yeah, you know, yeah. so I listen to the Bible. Uh, another thing, this this is very practical. Learn how to use a good dictionary and a thesaurus. Yes, yes. Learn how to use it. You can say the same thing many different ways with a good thesaurus. And as ministers, words are our craft. Yep. They are our craft. And I think it was Solomon. Solomon Ecclesiastes, he spoke about how a wise man's words are both goads as goads. Mm. He said G-O-A-D-S, goads and nails. And that goad was like that sharp end of the long wooden pole, the sharp end of that helped kind of prick and direct animals, mm. kind of urge them on. But then the fastening of the nail was, if you study it, it's more of that nail that kind of would fasten down a, a tent and keep it anchored. And so the words that we speak, you know, serve really two purposes. It helps point, guide, and direct at the same time keeping us tethered and anchored to a truth. Mm -hmm. And so that's important. So know how to use your words. Use them efficiently and uh, use them abundantly. Another thing, and this goes with the same old sample, Bible reading prayer, so on and so forth. In Acts 13, whenever the Spirit of the Lord separated Barnabas and Saul to do the work of the ministry, the Bible says prior to that happening, it has this phrase here, that they ministered unto the Lord. Mm. Before they departed and was, uh, you know, the hands were laid upon them and they were separated to minister to others, they ministered unto the Lord. You will find yourself totally handicapped if you try to minister to others without first ministering to the Lord mm. with your prayer, with your supplication, with your devotion. Really, folks, we are useless if we try to minister to others right. without first ministering unto the Lord. Another thing, we must, uh, and I think this is just as much as preparation as anything, we must watch the integrity of our lives. Mm. I can't, I can't overstate that. We must watch the integrity of our lives because you cannot separate the man from his message. Mm -mm. Mm. A verse of scripture I'll share because this has always been in my heart and soul. First Thessalonians 2 and 8, the Bible says, so being affectionately desirous of you, he says, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also of our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. This is a fact, that whenever you preach the word of God, you are not just imparting what you have prepared concerning verses of scripture, a concept or idea. You are imparting who you are. That carries so much weight. 
for me in my life personally to think that I am imparting my soul unto these people. So if you have a tainted soul, mm -hmm. an impure soul, you are imparting that in the moment of your message and preaching, though it may not be uh, noticed by those in the crowd or known by those in the crowd. You are imparting it nonetheless mm. whenever you impart your message. Right. And so we must be careful concerning the integrity and the conduct of our lives, both on the public and the private facets. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> We're so glad to have Pastor Paul McGee and pastors in Mount Carmel, Illinois, with us on the Cut It Straight podcast today. And uh, he is a great conference preacher, camp meeting preacher, um, and he's one of my favorite preachers. And he's been here with us preaching our New Year's revival here at First Apostolic Church of Knoxville. As we come to a close, uh, we've talked about studying, we've talked about prayer, we've talked about reading. What are uh, some influences that you have, uh, maybe preachers, uh, Bible teachers, uh, books, authors, writers? What are some inspirations, maybe websites that you could share um, with our listeners? Um, it may seem generic, but... My father, again, was called to the ministry late in, late in life uh, and pastored really late in life uh, by some estimations. The greatest thing my father and mother, for that fact, uh, invested in me wasn't dad sitting down and showing me how to put together a sermon, the, the how-tos of preaching. The greatest thing my father ever taught me was how to pray by praying. And I do not say this reluctantly. I remember whenever he was bivocational and was working and pastoring full time. And we had a small, quaint home. I still lived at home. And it was nothing. My father's prayer closet was the restroom. We only had one restroom in the house. And I recall, I couldn't tell you the number of mornings while I still slept. Five o'clock, I could hear that deep voice calling out to God, and if you'd wait long enough, I would hear my name called out. Mm -hmm. Every name in the family of our church called out. That will forever have an indelible impression upon my life that you must find a time to pray. Here's a guy that's bivocate. He has a full-time job in two respects, pastoring that, and yet he arose early in the morning mm -hmm. to have that time with God. So that's a major impact on me concerning whenever it comes to praying and having, this is important, a consistent prayer life. Yeah, I'm not talking about a spot here, spot there. Mm. I'm talking about consistency. We need consistency and faithfulness in many things that we do. Another individual that's had a great impact in my life is Pastor Steve Boyd uh, from Hatchbin, Florida, which probably a lot of people, unless you've been there, you don't know even what I'm talking about. Hatchbin, Florida. Uh, Pastor Boyd, even as an evangelist, had a um, deep influence upon my life. Uh, he was one of those type of people that you could share your heart with and knew that in the moment that he was doing it, he wouldn't crush your heart. Mm. And so he, he was a safe person to talk to, and I respect him for that. Before we ever came off the evangelist field, uh, we spent nine months with Pastor Boyd, kind of like a resident evangelist outreach type of thing, and we were even considering uh, to that being our station in life, assisting Pastor Boyd. As a matter of fact, I always say, if God hadn't called us back home, which I thought I'd never go back to, yeah. that's another story for another day, 
But if I never went back there, I'd be in Hatchman, Florida today. Mm -hmm. And so Brother Boyd, though, we had nine months with him, and he poured more in us in nine months, transitioning from evangelism to a pastorate than what some other person could have done perhaps in nine years. Yeah. Uh, some of the phrases that uh, will always stick with me concerning him is that uh, everybody knows how to skin the cat except the one holding the cat. Yeah. Boy, that is a great, great truth right there. Yeah. Another thing that uh, he said whenever you get in a pastoral ministry, he says there's some people that anything you ask of them, they'll drop whatever they're doing, drop, you know, at a drop of a hat, they'll be there to do it. He says, those are the very people you need to protect. Mm -hmm. Those are the very people you need to protect. And then he taught me that uh, nobody will protect my individual time as a minister except me. And I got to protect that time with my family, with my mm -hmm. children, with my home. And so he taught me that as well. So he's poured a lot in my life. Still, he does yet to this day. You know, in my own life, if there's something uh, that I reach a point that I have a question on or a situation that comes up that seems to be beyond my scope of, of knowing or I just need another voice, you know, to bounce mm -hmm. things off of. And I don't, I don't, you know, just overwhelm these guys. And I go to them every week or something like that. But right. I know they're there. Would be, of course, my father is a given. He's my pastor. But would be Pastor Boyd mm -hmm. and uh, Pastor David Seisman, which was my childhood pastor as well, which invested in my life. Um, also, uh, is Pastor Robert Coffey. People might not know him much, but with Pastor Coffey, you don't have to wonder about where you stand. He's just pretty, just straight forth. And that forthrightness, I like and I need mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. um, of course, everybody would go to Bishop Carpenter. I've called him at times with things that I needed his input on. And there's another gentleman by the name of Pastor Joel Aldridge. Before we ever became a part of the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ, we were a part of a network of independent churches. Some people might call us independently organized. Mm -hmm. but Nevertheless, Pastor Joe Aldridge was a, pul a pulpiteer. Mm -hmm. He could stand in one place and say more than a person that was all over the, 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 the yeah. audience. Yeah. And uh, he just had a knack for looking at things from a different perspective for most people. And so those are people that I've had in my life. Resources, concerning resources, man, I love preceptaustin.com. Yeah. There is so many resources there. Bible Hub, I like to use Bible Hub mm -hmm. as well, particularly whenever you're looking at several translations at once. I really like that uh, uh, for that means. Um, I love, I'm, I'm a user of Evernote. I love to use Evernote. Something that I do whenever I read books of whatever genre they may be, I read a book as I'm reading it. I'm underlining things that stand out to me, whether it's a sentence or a phrase or a story that is shared and this just takes discipline. As soon as I'm finished with the book, I go to Evernote. I got a notebook in there called Book Excerpts. I put the title of the book in, the author of the book in, then all throughout everywhere that I've underlined. If, if I had a lot of, sometimes I get carried away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if there's a lot underlined, I'll take a picture of it. Thank goodness for Evernote. Mm -hmm. But I stake the page number that it was on, and then whatever the quote, whatever the story may be, because the awesome thing about Evernote, it is completely searchable, mm -hmm. completely searchable. You can use tags. The pictures are even searchable. Right. So when I'm later doing something along the lines of faith, I have everything that I've ever read that I thought was important underlined in Evernote. Yeah. And I can do a search in my books, excerpts on faith, and I got all this stuff that's popping up right. that may or may not apply you know, to whatever direction I'm going with that. But that's a time saver. 
Right. That's a time that that's working ahead in many respects. Oh yeah. You know, so I do that and I use that often. Uh, so those are some resources, some of the some of the influences that I've had in my life. Awesome. We're so glad that you have uh, been able to join us today. You can find more about uh, Pastor Paul McGee on your podcast. Podcast, absolutely. Uh, what's the name of your podcast? The podcast is the First Apostolic Church podcast. You can find it on iTunes. It also, is, its origin is actually from a place called www.hipcast.com. And then you can search for after alphabetically there first apostolic there's no other apostolic people there so you'll find us pretty quickly so those two places yeah please check us out again thank you for joining us on the cut it straight podcast Uh, make sure you go check out his podcast or for his sermons from his church Uh, also make sure you tune in to us right here on cut it straight make sure you subscribe on itunes go to nswhitley.com to subscribe as well Thanks for tuning in to the Cut It Straight podcast. For more information, episodes, and articles, go to my website, nswhitley.com. Follow me on Twitter at nswhitley, and be sure to go to my Facebook page, nswhitley.